You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more. Welcome to another episode of the Hoops Fix podcast with me, your host, Sam Nita, full-time British basketball advocate. And on this week's show, as much as I uh, love, you know, telling the player stories, going into the career backstories of, of various people, um, what I am really passionate about is stuff that I feel will push the game forward and uh, look at the state of the game, the behind the scenes of the operations of clubs, organizations, um, and what the learnings are so that not only myself, but other people can come in, take those and build upon them to help really grow and change the game. That's what I am passionate about. It's like seeing the growth of, of British basketball and changing it for the better. So this conversation was of massive interest uh, f- for me. Uh, it was with James Merchant, who is the founder and director of the Richmond Knights. They are a club down in uh, the southwest of London and have had remarkable success uh, in the 11 years that they have now existed. And particularly what I like about the story is that James went in and started from the bottom up. He focused on growing things slowly uh, at a rate that worked and uh, that was sustainable. So it started with just community sessions um, before building out to competing in CVLs. And it wasn't until like year four where they entered National League. And he's really taken a long-term view to it, which I think is the the way that anything is going to succeed in this country. It's taking a long-term approach to how these things are going to last uh, over you know vast periods of time. And you know in that time, he's now in a situation where they're in 32 primary schools across the borough getting you know thousands of youngsters uh, playing basketball uh, at a young age and in nine secondary schools produced GB uh, junior internationals uh, and not not only that but also he's full-time himself but he's got a core competency core coaches core group of coaches of, of eight coaches I think that are, that are able to, to, to get a majority of their living uh, from the club so it's it's really building that British basketball uh, economy that we speak about so often so it was super interesting for me I love the organizational off-court operation side of things um, and it was yeah really there was a lot of takeaways that I think are going to help me in my future endeavors and possibly I hope help you if you are thinking about uh, running your own club or you already run your own club so Super enjoyable conversation. I think there'll be a lot to gain from it. As always, before I get into the show, I've got to give a quick mention for our Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash hoopsfix, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash H-O-O-P-S-F-I-X. There you can start to give a monthly or annual annual contribution of as much or as little as you like to help us do the work that we're doing. This takes up our time. It costs us money. And we're coming direct to you, our audience, to help us do it. Uh, we're trying to grow this thing as big as possible and do that. Uh, we do need money, so please go and check it out. Please consider for what is essentially the price of a cup of tea, cup of coffee uh, every single month. You can help support the work that we're doing, help grow British basketball. So go and check it out, patreon.com forward slash hoopsfix. Anyway, let me know what you think. If you're watching on YouTube, let me know in the comments uh, what what you thought about what James had to say, um, You know how we can build more sustainable clubs across the country. Uh, but if you want to reach out to me on every single social media platform, I'm there on at HoopsFix. Uh, or if you want some private one-on-one interaction, drop me an email, sam at hoopsfix.com. I reply to every single one. Anyway, uh, that is enough from me. Here is this week's show with James Merchant. James, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be on. So, uh, yeah, I guess the, the context of, of me wanting to have this conversation is... Um, you know, I, I kind of over the last few years have, have have heard that you're doing a great job down in Richmond. Uh, I've had you know a few different conversations with various people, including some of your coaches, about kind of what's going on down there. Um, and for me, long term, I've kind of always had this vision in my head 
of setting up a club and trying to do it the right way over a long period of time, really building it from the grassroots, grassroots from the bottom up all the way through to at the top having a BBL franchise. Um, this is kind of like, it's a pipe dream, uh, but it's something that has been slowly growing in my mind over the years. One of the great things about this podcast is that I can have conversations with people that I want to have conversations with, pick their brain and take the learnings um, to then look at the things that are working, things that aren't working, uh, so that I can ensure that when I am in that situation, um, I'm in the best position to be able to succeed. So, yeah, I, that's that's the context for the conversation. No, I mean, looking at your background, uh, obviously you played yourself, so it'd be, it would be good just to kind of briefly just touch upon that, like what it is about basketball, how you got into basketball, kind of, and then I guess the transition then into coaching, and then we'll sort of jump forward into sort of setting up of the club. So let's start there. Like, kind of, can you give us a sort of brief overview of your your sort of playing background? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, growing up, I like a lot of young boys, I guess, grew up playing every sport, um, predominantly football, as that was just what was the most popular. Um, also played cricket, tennis, you know, whatever I could do, I was, I was always outside playing. Um, and so I kind of captain of the school football team and uh, won the district cross country and, you know, just just enjoyed competition. Um, I went to secondary school and um, had never played basketball before. But like everyone in sort of year seven, that's sort of keen to, to make a good impression, went to kind of all the trials for the sports teams. And, uh, yeah, one of our well, the head of PE at the time. No, sorry, not head of PE, but the, the one of the main PE teachers, Mike Leary, um, was really into his basketball. And I think like a lot of a lot of players, certainly of, of my era and generation, you get into basketball at secondary school because suddenly there's a giant sports hall where you can play and there's the hoops. And yeah, Mr. Leary saw I could run and catch and throw a bit um, and invited me along to, to basketball club uh, training. Uh, so joined in year seven, um, carried on doing all the other sports as well. And then it was in year eight. Um, yeah, my best friend, he was also on the basketball team. He was, he'd recently joined uh, Brentwood Fire. So went across for a, a trial at Brentwood Fire um, with, with James and Alex Potter there. And uh, yeah, started, started playing. And we were the first, we were the first year, uh, the first team of theirs to go um, to, to join the National League. So we were the 1980 year group that was back in the day where it was your it was the year groups it wasn't the school years um played national league and we yeah we used to play these triangular tournaments against um well hemel or what was where um at the time and london towers so yeah it's kind of drew sullivan we were you know these sort of 13 14 year old tiny little guys trying to go up against him five of us hanging off him and he was throwing it down on us um but you know, we gradually improved, and and we actually we actually won a game against Towers. It was probably when like most of their team were playing up or something. But to us, we didn't care. Um, Lloyd Gardner was playing for for Ware at the time, so um, yeah, just really enjoyed that that level. Um, I was a point guard at the time, and uh, um, just yeah, carried on playing through school. We um, our school was had the majority of, of the starting five for Brentwood. Um, there are a few other local schools where we had a great rival rivalry with. But yeah, it was a real hotbed of, of talent because of you know what Brentwood were doing in the area. Um, we won the Essex Cup uh, at year eleven, and you know there was 150 people maybe in the sports hall watching, which was kind of unheard of for us. You know, we thought we were mini celebrities and mini superstars. 
And then I think in sixth form, we entered the London Colleges League and got absolutely spanked in our first game uh, and, and taught a lesson. Um, but yeah, I was kind of, I guess I was sort of average height growing up, um, had a growth spurt around 16, 17. So I was quite a late developer. Um, ended up getting selected for um, some England under 18 trials. Um, I think there were about 40 players selected at the time. Um, I made like the top 25 and then and then got cut. So from there, then there wasn't really the academy system or anything to really to really do. So, um, you know, I applied to university. I, I had a, a gap year traveling, but came back to, to university and, and chose um, St. Mary's University in in leafy southwest london um which is a you know a hotbed of sport you know a lot of talented athletes come out of there um you know mo farah to, to name the least um and joined the basketball team um you know it was just it was quite recreational it was university sport but we um i think we got promoted every year you know we had a had a good run and then um i played for some men local men's teams but never played never played men's national league um and so just became a bit of a recreational basketball player and was doing it just because I enjoyed it and it's what I wanted to do. Um, I then spent uh, a couple of years uh, traveling. I, I was, went to Australia and sort of basketball, apart from going to see a Sydney Kings game and playing a bit, you know, on, on outdoor courts and things wasn't really part of my life. Um, but then I came back and decided to actually sort my life out and decided I had to get a bit of direction. And I actually applied to the police um, and went through all of their sort of assessments, um, fitness tests, but then I ended up failing their security um, questions because uh, their security checks because I'd been out of the country for too long. It was kind of like an automatic. If you've been out for six months, then uh, we can't vet you. Um, so at the time, uh, I was back coaching uh, and playing at, at Brentwood Fire as well. And, uh, you know, James Potter, who, you know, absolute huge influence on me and, 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 you know, was, was my mentor through, uh, through my, you know, my teenage. He, um, you know, he said, well, look, you know, do, do you want to, do you want to start coaching uh, that, you know, they've got a fantastic community program and I kind of just waited up and said, look, if I don't get the police, then this is, this is like, sounds great. So I'll give it a go. And yep. Turns out the police shut the door and we're one door shut another one opened so um you know they already had as i said incredible community program um in and around brentwood you know what they've done um for, for essex basketball and, and even the east region you know that there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of basketball that has spread out because of them um and so i ended up coaching with them for three or four years, um, you know, and that's where I really learned. And that was where you, you know, you just put the time in, you do in the mornings, the lunchtime sessions, the after school, the teams in the evenings. Um, and you were earning a full-time living as a coach doing that? That was, yeah, so that was full-time kind of income. Um, you know, I was I was effectively kind of self-employed, but whatever sessions I could do, you know, I, I could get. And then we looked at expanding and um, yeah, so uh, Brentwood is in Essex, but it's next to the London Borough of Havering, um, which is East London. So not too far from yourself in Stratford there. And um, and so we looked at expanding and I, I set up like a, a bit of a, yeah, a very small club, but had a few sc school sessions, um, started running a few teams. So we called it Havering Fire. So that was like the, the sister club of, of Brentwood. Um, and so I was running that for a few years and that, that was a real learning experience because, you know, whereas I went from having the 
I guess the, the security and the knowledge of, of, of everything at Brentwood that was pretty much there on a plate. You know, I just had to walk into school sessions and it, it was all done and it was there. Um, you know, and they had this fantastic program. I was coaching their national league teams and they were, you know, playing at a high level. Um, I had to start from scratch, but I really enjoyed it, you know, and I, I, I really loved the, I loved the challenge of the, the development challenge, you know, so looking at looking at how how the schools are connected you know how do we get the parents involved how do we um, interact with the school sports partnership and you know these so learning that whole not just the basketball landscape but the sporting landscape um, within a community was was a really valuable lesson um, and then just yeah the way life goes um, my my girlfriend who is, who is now my wife I met her when I was over at St Mary's and yeah we were getting married in 2009 and we were thinking, you know, life's choices. Do we want to live over in East London, um, you know, or do we want to go back over to to West London, um, you know, which I still had a lot of close links with, and my wife was from there and, and family. So I started investigating the uh, just the, the the basketball landscape in and around Richmond, and there really wasn't a great deal going on. There was a, a small club in kind of in, in Hampton. Um, there was a lot in the area, you know, for for a London borough. You had, you know, you've got Feltham and, and Hounslow to the north. You had Ealing sort of further into London and West Side. Um, Kingston was was to the south, and then you've got the teams in Surrey, like you know Spelthorne and everyone. But there was a real pocket of just not a lot going on in in the borough of Richmond. Um, and so, I. At the time, a um, good friend of mine who was a coach at Brentwood, he ended up getting the job back at St Mary's University. So my old university, he got the sports development officer role at the university. So obviously, great connection to have. He was immediately plugged into to you know all of the um, uh, you know the the the, the, the sports council, the, the the RSSP. So he just helped me set up meetings and just started to put out a few feelers in the area. And yeah, I mean, I've, I've still got it. Like I, I wrote out, you know, just pros and cons of both sides, you know, do I go on the East side and, and really push Havering and obviously the backing and support I had there at Brentwood was, was really valuable. And, and, you know, that having their, having their support was, was great, but you know, I didn't see as much opportunity. Um, Whereas in Richmond, I could see, I could see the 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 environment was was just ready for for basketball to to grow. Um, you know, there was a very strong school sports partnership. Um, you know, there was uh, the 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 sports development team on the council were, were very proactive, um, and I could see a pathway. You know, I had links with St Mary's University, which was a natural hub and a natural venue. Um, yeah, and I just felt I felt there were more opportunities there. So I started running a few school sessions um, in and around Richmond, and, and, and I, I chose one particular area around one particular school close to St Mary's University. So kept it very, um, you know, very small in terms of geographical area. Um, but then I was still running my sessions over in East London. So I was doing two days a week. So I'd, Monday morning, I'd leave the house at like 5 a.m., drive to a 7.30 session uh, in, in Stratford, uh, sorry, in, in Romford. Um, and then uh, I'd do two days of sessions and, and then I'd drive back on Tuesday evening. And then I did Wednesday, Thursday, Friday over in Richmond. And I did this for about a year um, just to test the water and see see how things progressed and and it was clear that the, the potential 
in and around Richmond was was a lot greater. Um, so I handed over the the Havering stuff to a, to another coach friend of mine, um, and yeah, just and that took the took the full plunge into living and working in Richmond. That's that's fascinating. You know, like I, uh, it's fascinating that you made a decision to move across London with basketball in mind, thinking that this is something that you could earn a full time living from. Like you know, we we hear these stories all the time about. How, how hard it is to make money in British basketball and uh, and all this and actually when, and when I think about full-time uh, coaches my natural thought goes to obviously you, you've got BBL coaches you've got academy coaches that, and that's pretty much it I never think about sort of at the community level uh, running clubs because I, I think maybe I would say it's fair to say that the vast majority of basketball clubs in England um are prim- primarily run off volunteers and people volunteering all their time uh, and actually not being full-time. And that is one of the massive barriers for it to be able to be pushed to the next level because you don't have the professionalism of the sport that you need because for people it's just a side thing that they're doing. Like, how are you so sure that you were able to make it work financially? What what When you look at it, when you were looking at sort of havering when you were looking at uh, Richmond, kind of what made you know that it could work and that you were able to not have to get a job and sort of do it on the side uh, in the meantime? That's a great question. And I think, you know, I'll I'll hold my hands up and and happily say that, you know, Brentwood Fire was was the blueprint, you know, what they were doing in the community. So so James Potter, you know, he, he was doing it already, you know, so... All I've done is really emulate, you know, what what they did and try to, I guess, put my sort of spin on things and try and do things um, my way. But, yeah, I very much, you know, it's very similar to what they um, what they do. So, you know, the blueprint was there. Um, I emulated that when I was doing the Havering um, uh, Havering program. And so I was confident that it could work in Richmond. Um, and, yeah, you know, the, the, the point about you know, professionalism within, within coaching and, and the opportunities, I think, especially for, especially for young people, you know, who are passionate about the sport, you know, that's a real, it's a real bugbear of mine. And, and I think, you know, we, we all, you know, we can talk a whole nother podcast on, on the financing within, within British basketball, but um, in terms of a business model, you know, it's, the, the numbers are, if, if you can get a school session where you can get 10, 15, 20 children to a session, um, you know, and they're paying five pounds each, then, you know, you run a couple of those sessions every, uh, every day and you've got yourself, you know, quite a, quite a sustainable, um, income that, that you can, that you can do something with, um, you know, and then it's, it's about, you've then got to sell that, you know, you're, it's like being a personal trainer, like they buy into you, the parents buy into you as a coach, you know, and, and the product you, you, you sell, you know, you're, you're selling basketball, but I'm, you know, I'm biased, but I'm a huge believer in the power of basketball. You know, it, it has, it's such a dynamic sport and yes, you know, you can say other sports like maybe football, you know, have, have those di- the, that many aspects to it, but you've got the, you know, you've got the individual skills, uh, you've got the, the the team element. It's only five players, so everyone you know gets lots of touches and and you know can be a part of it. And you know that I I I'm keen. You know our our philosophy is to make basketball fun. You know have game based um, game based um, progression. But 
I think basketball sells itself. You know, if you do it in the right way, if you're creative with the way you introduce it, um, and that's what gets the players engaged. And once you've once you've got them engaged, you know, that's when you can start start the learning and and you know you can start developing a club and looking at the levels. But you know, ultimately, it's about just building that participation. You know, so now, you know, Knights is in you know, 30 plus schools within within Richmond. And, you know, that that's the base of our pyramid. And that's what we build everything off. And, you know, ultimately our success or our failure is going to be on on how well we can we can introduce and engage those players. Um, I, I was going to say the, the biggest thing that struck me in that uh, that overview of the club that I asked you to send over was the fact that you're in 32 primary schools. And, you know, one of the one of the things we, we always hear uh, about sort of something that's stifling the game in this country is the fact we just don't have players starting young enough and we need more primary school programs and well, and, and ideally going even younger than that. Um, how much would you attribute the sort of the growth of the club to have having focused on the grassroots? The same, you know, when I look at the timeline of how you started and sort of what I like about the, the, the long-term view that you took is that, you know, in, in 2009... You're literally, you're not saying, oh, I'm going to enter teams in National League and I'm going to try and sort of start from the top up or whatever. It's like, this is going to start with me just going into into uh, primary schools, running community sessions. Um, and then every year from there, it was building on, okay, now we're going to enter a CVL. You know, now we're going to enter, uh, I have another team or whatever. And then, you know, it wasn't until what, four years later, five years later that you had your first National League team. Um, so yeah, like how big of a piece is it of getting the kids starting young and having that wide uh, base. For me, it's it's everything, and it's it's the key to to us sort of being where we are now. Um, we've got a heck of a long way to go, but you know I hope that will come. But I was really pleased to hear you know you saying that you you want to build a club from you know from the grassroots up, and yeah, there there are many ways of doing it, and you know setting up a you know higher level um, older club to start with is is fine and obviously works for a lot of people but yeah for me my my big vision was was to create basketball players you know it wasn't to get players at year eight year nine that are already into you know all their other sports and you know in Richmond you know we're fortunate that we don't you know we don't have a lot of challenges that that, that a lot of other areas have you know in terms of the um you know in terms of of uh you know the socio-economic, um, you know, status of a lot of the residents. Don't get me wrong; there are there are pockets of deprivation, you know, within Richmond which we try and work in. Um, you know, but almost one of the challenges is that there's there's too much going on, you know, and, and these these players are uh, are doing so much. And and I'm a big advocate for for multi sports, and you know, I think that you know, I as you know, you know, I was I grew up as a multi sport athlete, and I think that's that's vital to 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 athlete development and to and to good human development. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to start, you know, year three, year four, and and provide an entire pathway for those players to progress through. Um, you know, I didn't want to stop at year seven, year eight, and 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 you know, sort of not do not do national league. Um, that would certainly be much more financially uh, rewarding um, if we just focused on on the on the community side of things. But you know, I wanted to provide a, a pathway for players to engage at any age and at any level so you know they can engage at school they can come to a club open session they can come to a holiday camp you know if they just want to do that recreationally then great um 
but having that base and building, you know, ultimately it's a numbers game, you know, and, and what's happened is the club is just naturally involved. Um, you know, it, it sounds like I hope it doesn't come acro across like I had a, a master plan when I came to Richmond. It was I saw an opportunity, you know, there was an opportunity there and then for me to to get basketball sessions, fill my schedule um, and try and earn a bit of a living out of it. What happened is, you know, the club has been driven by the players. You know, I'll, I'll freely admit that, you know, we, we just want to provide the opportunity that our players, our players need. And so, yeah, you talk about the timeline. Um, you know, we started off with primary schools, a few primary school tournaments. And then it's, hey, you know, looking around the gym here, we've got, what, seven, eight primary schools. There's some decent players there. So we put a little team together, um, yeah, played our first game. Um, lost terribly to Felton Warriors, uh, <laughs> and this, this is a classic. So we we, we tipped off um, one of their players, um, got the ball, dribbled through all of our team, scored, and then one of our players, having been in his first basketball game, picked the ball out from under the net and walked it walked it back to the centre circle to take centre again, right, rather than inbounding it. So <laughs> I'm thinking. We got a long way to go here, you know. Um, but then, yeah, the next year that team were entered in CVL. They were the first team that went National League in 2013. Um, and then suddenly, hey, we've got, you know, we've got some, we've got a good girls program. So, right, let's enter Girls National League. And, um, you know, all, all we've done is try to provide to the needs of the players. And as our program's grown, you know, it happens every year. And, it, you know, we've been doing it recently. It's an absolute headache, but you know our selections for the teams. You know we get a heck of a lot of kids in a gym. You know we'll get 40, 50 kids come along to trial for one age group. So, us coaches, you know, we're looking around at each other, and you know me and me and Coach Isaac are kind of talking afterwards and saying we can't just do one team here. You know, there, there's more players that, that that need that want to play basketball, and it's our duty to provide that if we can, you know, if the resources allow. Um, so, yeah, we've just, all we've done is react, or I feel like react to the needs of the players. Um, you know, maybe we should have had more of a strategic kind of development plan, um, but we've just kind of, we just kind of rolled with it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and the players have been the driving force of that. And, you know, they're the reason for our success. Thing is, to, so to go from, you know, it's, you look at it now and it's like, okay, you know, 32 primary schools, nine secondary schools, uh, the, what is the actual tangible process to scale like that? Like you, you know. Okay, so let's talk about the the starting point. You you get you you know you start you saying you're doing you started when you're doing three days three days a week in 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 Richmond. So you get into a new you just moved to back to Richmond. You're in a new town. Like what is the process? What's the first thing you do to get that first session to like start? building out what obviously ends up being the club uh and then from there once you've got that first session like what's the process to then do the second session is it a case of okay you, you like you said you target that school that's close to Samaria's university that's the first one get that one in the bag okay now i'm going to look at the nearest one from there that's also within this same catchment area like kind of i'll just be interested to hear like what the actual sort of tangible steps are so if i was to start i wouldn't I don't think it, I would do it in Newham because there's a lot going on. Let's say that I was to start a club in Newham. Like, what would be the process? Like, if you were to advise me, okay, you need to first, first thing you need to do is get a session under your belt. Like, this is how I would go about it. I'd be interested to kind of hear from the start. So, 
I can come on to the steps in a minute, but I, I think the key is building relationships. You know, that's that's the you know that, that's the the, the the kind of essence behind behind it and and what the 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 advantage i had was i i had you know direct contact with big players within community sport so you know we had we had the university we had the school sports partnership which the richmond school sports partnership um under maggie morell is is still going strong sadly it's one of the few school sports partnerships that's still going in the country and, and that's a real shame um there is what, um, for context what is a school sports partnership so that's uh, that's a, a, a partnership of schools um, within an area. So it might be sort of uh, the county, or, or within for Richmond, it's 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 the borough. Um, Maggie Morell is is the is is the manager of that, and then each school had a, a um, had a uh, a school sports. I've forgotten the term now, but um, school coordinator. sports coordinator. Yeah, who was a, a PE teacher. But I think they'd they'd have one day a week where they were out of lessons, and their job was to to develop links with their with their with their cluster primary schools. So you'd have the the central secondary school, and then there'll be a cluster of primary schools around it. Um, and yeah, the funding for that was 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 pulled um, around the 2012 Olympics, I think. Um, sadly, I think that was Mr. Gove. Um, but yeah, that was um, yeah they were really powerful because you had. PE teachers, you know, passionate people, you know, going in and driving sport, um, you know, not just competition, but there were a lot of competitions put on, but, you know, putting coaching in place. So they, schools buy into that partnership in order to receive that service. Um, and what we were able to do from the partnership was they gave us seed funding. So I said, look, I'm going to go into as many schools as you'll allow me to um, and offer six weeks of free coaching. So that's PE lessons. That, that they receive for free so we target a year group or a certain number of year groups and then at the end of that six weeks we set up our year five and six basketball club um and then obviously so we've got six weeks then to sell basketball make it as fun as possible and then at the end of it it goes into uh you know it's it's then it's then paid for by the parents so they pay for that for that extracurricular club um so having the school sports partnership you know was 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 key um, the sports development team, um, you know, Chris Jones has, you know, backed us, um, you know, for since we since we started. I remember sitting in in first meetings with him, um, you know, talking about how we we're going to get basketball going in the area, um, you know, and and he's continued to continue to support us. Um, same with St Mary's University, you know, we coach their men's and ladies teams now, um, you know, and that's a lot of that is down to the foundations that we we built early on, and. You know those relationships are, are what have got us through, and and you know in particular, you know this past six months where we weren't able to operate, you know, much basketball. Um, you know those having having relationships within the community have really helped. Having good relationships with schools, um, building relationships with your venues is absolutely key. Um, you know in Richmond, the hiring rate of a council sports hall is around 70 pounds an hour for one basketball court you know so that's that's unsustainable for for any club you know sadly it's i guess it's you know you can get you can get 10 guys playing five a side in there no problem or as as we know you can get all the badminton crew in there but you know trying to get kids in playing basketball at that kind of rate is impossible so 
you know, hey, we, we you know we go to the council. We you know we we spoke to them about you know how we can run a partnership and share some of the income. And you know before we know it, you know there's a you know they were building they built a brand new school at the time, and and there was a, a new new sports hall there that we were able to get access to at a lot lower rates. Um, our secondary schools, you know, we we don't pay full price for any of our for any of our venues, you know, because we build relationships with the schools. So, you know, um, Christ School, they're three times national schools champions, um, you know, primarily down to, to the vision and the hard work of, of Tom Smith and the PE team there, um, you know, but they saw an opportunity in that they've, they have, um, they have a sports hall. So they offer us that sports hall. And in return, we go in and coach. I mean, we do like five, six sessions a week there with all the different age groups, you know, so they're getting high quality coaching. They're getting coaches that, you know, that know what they're doing. They're getting links directly into the club. So their players, as well as playing, you know, a few times a week in school are then playing with Knights as well. And, and the whole thing, you know, it's, it's a great relationship. You know, it's less risk for us because we don't have the financial outlay of, of committing to, to hall hire um, or, or as much hall hire. Um, and we're getting work for our coaches as well. So, you know, building those kind of relationships um, is is key. And, and, you know, to be honest, you know, the, the survival of our club over these over these past past few months, you know, a lot of it has been down to down to the, the relationships we've been able to draw on. Um, what's the what's the incentive from the school from the school's perspective? Is it literally that they want to uh, have a good basketball provision for their students? Like, so does it come down to the fact that the school wants to have basketball provision? Like, because ultimately, I would assume that if the school was like, actually, we don't care about basketball, uh, it wouldn't happen. Or are you saying something to sell them on like basketball? Like, how is it? Like, how are you selling them on it? Essentially. Um, I mean, we predominantly sell it just from a basketball and performance point of view. Um, but obviously, there are you know they've got they've got Ofsted targets to hit, and you know they've got to provide their their school club links. So there's a responsibility um, by the school and and the PE staff to to promote and develop those. Um, I think in sadly in the you know the current economic climate where school budgets are being squeezed, um, you know a lot of schools are are using and seeing their their sports halls, you know, as an income generator, you know, as a bit of a cash cow that they can just milk and, you know, put out to the highest bidder. Um, but again, that's where the relationship comes, you know, and, you know, as Tom Smith at, at Christ, you know, he's, he's extremely passionate about, about all sports and, and providing as many opportunities and successes for his pupils. Um, you know, they're, they're in the top 50, of of um of secondary schools uh, for sport in the whole country you know and for us for a state school like them to be to be in that at that kind of level just shows the the kind of work that they're putting in so yeah you you know you have to find the right people and you have to find the right schools so you know i couldn't i'm not saying i could walk into any school and convince them you, you know you can't it depends and very much it's it's out of the out of the hands of the of the PE staff, you know, it's very much the the senior leadership team, um, you know, and all it takes is is one decision from them, um, you know, and suddenly they decide to, to go a different way. So yeah, it, it can be risky, but the you know the the stronger connections you've got within that school, um, you know, it it, it uh, you know it, it puts you in good stead. But I would in say terms surely. Of- Surely it compounds as well, right? Like the more, like now you've got the track record. Like when you go, when you start opening up a conversation with the school, the fact that you can say, "Well, this is what we've done over the last ten years," and you can show kind of success stories and uh, and case studies, like that makes it a whole lot easier, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, once you've once you've done it in one place, you've then got something to then to then feed off for sure. Um, You know, but I majority of PE staff that we work with, you know, they're they're all extremely passionate about providing opportunities and success. And, you know, school schools are becoming more competitive, you know, in terms of their league tables, their Ofsted ratings. So, you know, having having their success, you know, that they can sell to. Uh, you know, ultimately sell to, um, you know, to parents, you know, if, if they if they've got these this kind of provision, you know, pupils go to Christ school because they want to play basketball, you know, guarantee it. And 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 Tom is in, you know, it just so happens, of course, as part of the partnership, Christ school is the venue for our primary school program. Uh, sorry, for our primary school com- uh, tournaments in, in, in their area, in their cluster. Um, so Tom gets to Look at all the, you know, all the children, the talent coming through, speak to parents, um, you know, and and it's it's a great it's a great sell, you know, for them to get players into the not players, but but students you know, into the school and, and raise the profile of the school. Um, and it helps us as well. You know, we're connected with a great school um, and that's something that that we can, you know, we can build off too. How much room for growth do you think there is for what you're doing in Richmond? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know how many, like, how many primary schools are there in Richmond? Like, how many of them are you in? And then when, when you talk about secondary, like, same sort of thing. Like, do you think there is a lot more scope for you to be a lot more bigger than you already are? Or do you feel like you're sort of reaching a ceiling? I think we're definitely reaching saturation. Um, there's, you know, we're probably in about eighty percent of the schools, maybe, and kind of, you know majority of schools we've been in we've stayed in you know um apart from obviously scheduling issues or whatever then you know but you know once we're in a school again trying to maintain those relationships you know we do our best to stay in um you know and even if a club's you know failing if, if it's in a you know a bit of a tougher area to, to keep you know to maintain those numbers coming through you know we'll, we'll stick with it you know we won't just pull a club because it's because it's not making money you know we, we'll invest we'll go in we'll pay coaches to go in and do taster sessions you know and just try and drive that that interest again um but yeah i think i think within richmond you know i, I think there's still you know there's still more we can do um you know we have looked at, at expanding out but kind of logistically that then becomes a bit of a challenge um you know we have for the past seven years we've operated out of an office in richmond um you know so that's been like a nice hub so we've got you know we've always had six seven eight core staff who are kind of our community coaches who work across the entire community and in the teams as well um and that was a hub for them to to be based at and then they could go out to their different sessions you know throughout the day um the times as they are, we've we've now relinquished that that office, a bit like you, Sam. You know, moving, uh, you know, moving a uh, moving across to Stratford, and um, you know that that will present us with with new challenges. Um, so, but that kind of kept us, you know, within the Richmond area. Um, in terms of expanding, there are other clubs, as I said, around, and I, as much as there are opportunities to expand, I feel we need to do more, and we can do more within the community we're in at the moment and yeah so that's going to be our our main focus do you think let's let's say that you hit a, actually a hundred percent saturation and you're in every single school in the borough right what do you do at that point like does it just become about then focusing on on quality and in, and just trying to make all of the players that you already have uh even better or do you look at doing something else i really don't know 
you know, I, I, I feel like there's such a job, there's still such a job to do. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm pleased with, with how we do things and, and the culture we've got and the way we do it, but I still feel there's so much more we, we can and should do. So, you know, I think then it's about fine tuning and, and improving, you know, what, what we've got and, and how we do it and how we provide more basketball opportunities, whether that's playing opportunities, officiating opportunities, you know, or, or the coaching opportunities, you know, which, you know, again, you know, I'm, I'm pleased that we can offer, you know, young, passionate people opportunities to, to, to grow and, and, and learn within our sport, you know, because we lose far too many because the opportunities just, just are not there. You know, my first job out of, out of university was, was a sales job, you know, in an office selling marketing, selling advertising space in magazines, you know, um, that taught me a lot about sales and marketing and some of the stuff I still use today, but it also taught me that I definitely don't ever want to work in an office. Um, ironically, um, I, I'm now in an office more than I am on a basketball court, <laughs> um, sadly, but that's, you know, that's the nature of, uh, I guess, sort of the nature of my role, you know, is that I have become, um, yeah, I, I don't like to use the word administrator. I, I like to use the word facilitator. So I'm trying to facilitate others, uh, you know, to, to have those basketball opportunities. Um, so, yeah, certainly kind of, you know, coach development and and um, and that aspect is certainly something we need to do better in, um, you know. But our, our kind of next step, our next natural step will be an academy, you know, in a secondary school. Um, I'm not, I don't think we need to go, well, I don't have the desire to go EABL. I, th I think that's taken care of, um, you know, and, and that's being done well already. Um, but not, yeah, in, not in your area, though, no? No, not in our like, area. You, but, tend, you, know, to, you are, tend to send players, obvious. like, where are you, where, where are you sending? You, your top guy, obviously, Molly Lavin went to Cola this season, right? Yeah, you, we've got Mo Molly, You had Emily, Flynn go to Barking Abbey. Beban, Emily Black, they're all at Cola. Um, we've got uh, Flynn... Eddie, Chem, um, out at Barking, um, Kieran is at Canterbury, uh, we've got, uh, yeah, Reading, so, yeah, we, you know, but I think we can't provide those players with what they need, you know, they are what, they are getting way above, you know, what we can offer and give them, and it would be wrong of us to, to hold on to them, you know, we need to go and give them the level of coaching and, and just the just the quantity of training that those guys need, you know, they need to be training every day to get to the, the, the level that their potential, um, you know, could get them to, you know, so we'll, you know, we'll, we'll happily, um, you know, assist them to, to move on. And, you know, Isaac in particular, um, you know, coach Isaac, he's, he's, you know, extremely passionate about providing them those correct, those opportunities. However, you know, there is, there is a, you know, th there's a lot of players that, that want to stay local for, you know, for education reasons, you know, they have aspirations within basketball, but also outside of basketball. Um, it's a challenge to get across to, you know, those, as you said, those EABL academies are not, you know, they're not close. Um, but I think starting off with an ABL academy, um, you know, just to provide more basketball opportunities, um, you know, within the borough where players can, can get an education, um, but can also continue their basketball journey as well um you know i think that's a you know that's our next step because because i think the demand is there now and i, I feel it's our, our our duty to provide that would you think the the, the long-term vision would be to so if you know you set up an academy 
and then you know ideally put yourself in a situation where but, then you've got the you've got the community grassroots stuff but then you've actually also got you know an EABL school with the provision you've got the elite coaches the elite uh sort of set up in terms of physio support strength and conditioning all that kind of stuff do you feel like that is uh potentially in your future and something that's worth doing like if I if I was you, like the way I view it is that if I was going to do it I would want to own the entire pathway like so I have full control from the absolute bottom to the top so I know exactly what level of provision a player is getting and i can control that rather than saying oh well we can only provide this level and at that point they go and then they're out of my hands or whatever because i would probably have some level of uh some might call it arrogance that i think that i would be able to provide the best opportunity for for whoever it is in my local area because i know that area and i know that player so do you feel like that is potentially on the cards for the future or do you think that actually it's just not something you're interested in you'd rather just focus on um more of producing the players to a certain point before then sending them off to other places? Um, no, our vision is is to provide the entire pathway. You know, that that's the vision I had at the start. And as I said, you know, we've always we've always been guided by the by the players, you know, and we're getting enough players of a good enough level, um, you know, and, and parents as well, you know, they're asking, you know, what other basketball opportunities there are. And there, there's only so many spaces in the ABL squads. And I'm very, you know, very proud of the the numbers that we're now we're now producing that are going off to EABL. But you know, I'd also say my my proudest um, you know achievements in terms of in terms of people. Are, 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 you know, they're not the names that I've just spouted off for the for the EABL spaces. You know, they're fantastic kids. But you know, there's there's a coach called Ben Davidson and a coach called Freddie Stoughton, um, and they have gone through our entire program. So Ben was in that very first. Um, team where we entered a friendly tournament and lost against Beltham. Freddie was joined a year later, I think, and was in a, they were both in our first National League team. Um, they've come right through our programme. They've gone through our leadership programme. They're both now at St Mary's University um, studying there, uh, both on the basketball team there, and are now you know coaching coaching within our community and within our teams as well. You know, and so to be able to have that full cycle, you know, we've now got. You know, we've now got Knights products, you know, that know the system. They know the way we like to work. They know the culture of our club. You know, it's easy then to just plug them back in and they're raising the next generation of Knights players. And, um, well, no, it's, it's not easy, but it's, you know, it's it's a lot simpler than taking the risk of recruiting externally. And, you know, as you, you know, you, you, you don't know sort of what you're going to get there. You know, so having that full pathway is, is essential. And, yeah, if we can... If we can have that ABL or, or EABL position, we've already got St Mary's University, you know, for, for that level. Um, you know, there's there's that full pathway in place, and, and absolutely, you know, I'd 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 want to have I'd want to have control and a, and a, an influence on on that full pathway. Do you have aspirations for a BBL franchise? BBL? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why, why, why the such a quick, quick answer with no hesitation? Why, why is that something that you don't want to touch? Um, I think just the money, the seeing the, you know, the, the the costs. I mean, it's it's way out of my field of expertise. You know, I, I. I but so was community coaching at one point and building a grassroots club. You learn, right? I did, but I, I, I had a, I had a passion for it, um, and. I'd, as I said, I'd, I'd seen it being done, you know, and, and I'd, I'd, you know, I'd, I, I had the opportunity to learn. It, it's not something that I, you know, I, I aspire to. It, it, it's, it looks 
very difficult in terms of maintaining the business element and you know and the basketball element and for me i think there's it you know we, we've got a men's team you know they're, they're div two now um you know they they run you know they run themselves independently um and they do a great job now you know but sort of running that team as part of the club was, was a huge drain you know really? on our on our resources and um, you know, why why I, do you think it's such a drain? Like why why is the senior side of things such a drain when you in comparison to the to the junior? Um, if, everything just gets more more expensive. You know, you can own, there's only so many spots on on the team. The guys need minutes. You know, they don't pay their fees if you're charging them. Um, I mean, we had you know just just running in you know in, in division. Well, we were division four back then. You know, we were getting sent referees from from Essex, and we were getting charged like 125 pounds for a referee because of the travel. You know, so you're looking at you're looking at 300 pounds just to host a game in a sports hall. You know, and and that 300 pounds that would go a long way in our community program. You know, um, don't get me wrong that the men's team is is you know it's vital to to our to our progression because I think you know we it, we. But for, for me, they're the role models, you know, of the young players coming up and the, the community players coming up. Um, Do you play you know, any of your juniors in the in a Division Two team? Yes, yes. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so um, yeah, through the years, a lot of those names, you know, sort of came through, and and so that's that's a key role is is providing those opportunities and that and that experience, um, you know, with with the older players um, and that higher level men's game, you know, is is key to their development. But a big thing for me as well is. You know, we get our primary school kids in, and you know it's packed around the outside, and we're having to make space because you know we're in this tiny gym. Um, you know, but we we've had you know 100 primary school kids watching a Division Four men's game. You know, and and they're seeing decent basketball being played. You know, and and how many children get that opportunity? You know, yes, it's a lot more accessible than it was sort of back in my day, but you know they've got to want to go and see it. You know, and they see these guys, you know, in a Knights jersey. They see their coaches, you know, playing. They see Coach Isaac, you know, coaching this this like high level team. Like, hopefully, that inspires them, you know, and they're wearing the same jersey as, as the men's team, you know, and and then you know that gives them that, um, you know, hopefully that gives them the role models that that they need because they're not they're not in the public eye, you know, you as we know, you know, you, you you've got to they are more so now but particularly you know british stars aren't aren't in the public eye as, as much as they should be and people like yourself are, are trying to do you know you're doing a great job of trying to improve that but you know having 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 uh, children that giving them the opportunity to go and see see players is key um whether we take that yeah taking that to the bbl level though uh, it just that doesn't doesn't appeal to me you know i mean i already feel like i do two jobs already at the moment running the community and running the club that's the whole third level that is is it, that's beyond my that's beyond my skill set and you know if if it was ever an opportunity we'd need you know massive investment and you know bring someone in that that knew what they were doing much better than i do yeah i was, I was gonna say like you know you could say that you personally don't want to do it because you don't want to manage it because you don't have that area of expertise but if someone with the expertise came to you and said, I think that I could run this and make it work. This is my track record or whatever. I've done this, I've done that. And then you potentially had funding. Like, would it then not become more an attractive option or is it just really, it's just, just something you don't want to get into? I, you know, I, I like looking and exploring for opportunities, you know. So 
if 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 there was the right opportunity, then I'd certainly I'd, I'd be a fool not not to look yeah. at it. Um, you know, and I think it would be, yeah, it, you know, it, it, but it would have to be it would have to be very appealing. Um, you know, if I was going to give the Knights name to a to a franchise, you know, I, I'd want to make sure that that they were you know, in line with the way Knights wants to operate, in line with our culture. And yeah, I, I don't feel that, you know, unless I had some very expensive lawyers to, uh, you know, to, to get everything down the way I'd want it, um, then yeah, I, I, I just see poten- potential issues, I guess. Um, yeah. And and I think that, the, yeah, that sad, sadly, you know, the, the basketball, you know, pro landscape is, is rocky, you know, and, and I'd 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 worry about the long-term reputation and sustainability of the club if if that was if that was tied in. If it was something completely separate, then you know that that might might be an option. But you know, again, why would we do it? Well, we'd want to. You know, it would it would need to generate it would need to generate interest within the local community. You know, we'd need a venue. Well, if they can come and build us a two court facility and we can play games out of there, then suddenly I'm I'm listening because you know mm. that sort of thing opens up our ability to meet our objectives within the community. So, yeah, I guess probably coming across, but yeah, they, they'd be they'd need to be ulterior motives to it. You know, yeah. I, I I don't have the ego to to say I want a BBL franchise because I just want to have the best basketball club or the best team in in you know in in the area or in, or in the in the region you know that's that's not the motivation yeah no, no that makes sense I yeah I always say when I when I think about a situation for myself it would have to be right and like I would never get involved and that's what I'm saying about doing it from the bottom up it's like well actually if you if you go long term and I think part of the thing about doing long term is the thing you've emphasized there about the relationships is like you know once you have the track record, it makes everything else easier. When you show that you're invested in the community, that you're doing stuff at the grassroots, like all of those conversations with the council about potentially having a facility and all that kind of stuff. And I do think, especially if you're talking about BBL franchise in, in London, the key thing is a facility. And if you don't have a venue, can't make it work. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm a hundred, I'm, I'm so, uh, I have such strong conviction around that, um, that if I was ever in a situation where I had a club, uh, that jump to the BBL would never be done until, until we had a venue. Um, but yeah, anyway, I digress. I, I'd be interested in, you know, one of the things, so one of my recent interviews, uh, which hasn't been published yet, which we will actually, by this, by the time this uh, is public, it was with Caroline Charles, um, with Newham New Young, New Young Bloods. Um, you know, speaking to her, the, the, the challenges she faces uh, are very different to the challenges you face, I would guess. And uh, a big part of the, that is the fact that she's working in one of the most deprived boroughs in the country and she always talks about the fact that she really can't charge a lot of money to the kids because they just don't have it. Uh, when you look at the Richmond model, you know, Richmond is literally the opposite end of the scale to Newham. I think it's one of the most affluent boroughs in the country. Do you think that uh, that in large part is what has allowed you to grow and do the things that you're doing because there is just a lot more affluence if you want to call it that wealthy families or, or, or parents that are willing to spend on extracurricular activities for their child like how easy do you think it would be to replicate what you're doing in another borough which potentially doesn't have as much money flowing about it's it's something i've always asked myself and you know I, looking at you know going back to my decision with with havering you know that that had you know sort of similar challenges similar challenges to newham um so you know that was certainly part of the decision making process but you know, 
there there are a lot of challenges within within Richmond as well. You know, there's there are pockets of deprivation and there are areas that we try and work in. Um, you know, there's a lot of children on free school meals um, that we offer free places to within our clubs. Um, you know, so we we try and break down as many barriers as we can. But yeah, you know, it, it certainly helps, you know, to be able to get 15 to 20 children paying, you know, five pounds every session, um, you know, week in, week out uh, at every school. So that's allowed us to build, yeah, sort of, you know, build the base. And, and then that that's what, you know, generates the income that supports, you know, everything else, everything else above that. So, yeah, I, I really admire Caroline and, and people that work within within those areas and it, it's something that I do um, yeah I, I do wonder whether it's whether it's something we could you know we could replicate but again I think it's down to it's down to how you you know how you sell what you're doing um, you know and, and and how you how you build um, you know build those relationships like yes you might not be able to charge as much per session but I'm sure there's more funding streams available for those kind of areas, you know, or, and or there's, you know, there's there's more of a need, you know, w- within the schools to build those relationships. So you can you can get you can get a sports hall for, um, you know, you, you can get that relationship where, where you're getting a sports hall in return for services you're giving to the school or for those students. So, yeah, as I said, I you know, I, I, I like to I like to look for opportunities and. And solve problems, and and I think you know that's you know it's it's a huge it's a huge problem you know trying to generate um, you know interest and and maintain um, attendance when you know it's you're not able to to charge as much um, you know you've got the other issues uh, you know around the, the the support within you know within the families maybe um, so yeah I, I'd say. It's a question. It's a question I'd I'd like to be able to answer, but probably from my rambling, yeah, I, I probably can't. Mm. Um, but yeah, what I would say is that yeah, within Richmond, that there you know there are challenges. You know, there's a lot of um, yes, it is an affluent borough. Um, you know, but the challenges are the children can be doing a lot. You know, so they're them scheduling, their timetabling. You know, parents being being able to be engaged, you know, because they're they're working so much, they're not necessarily you know seeing their parents. You know, there's I think the, um, the 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 biggest um, uh, the biggest part of uh, actually no, I'm, I'm not going to go into that. That's uh, no, I, I don't want to don't want to touch on that. It's probably getting a bit too bit too far. So, when you talk about the uh, income streams of the club, mm. when you talk about the percentage, like is the vast majority of the money that you have coming in from kids paying like i mean you'd call it b to c like the business consumer like directly from the kids and the parents paying you as the club for a session or or is it uh, or do you also have like grants uh, funding that you can apply for um potentially schools paying you to be the deliverer of sessions so that they're subsidizing it for their pupils like kind of what's the actual when you when you talk about what the revenue streams are and where that money's coming from like what is the sort of the breakdown yeah, so it's probably you know it's up around 80 percent is is that you know direct income from parents. So whether that's that's community sessions, you know, within the schools, within our open sessions, you know, or it's it's the fee paying members to to be parts of our teams. Um, yeah, so that is, 
you know, that's the bread and butter essentially. But you know, we do, you know, we, we do access access grants. We get support from from the council to um, to subsidise the cost of our uh, some of our secondary school sessions. Um, so we're able to go in and offer those you know, at a at a cheaper rate. Um, and then, yeah, the, we we access pots of funding when we need to. Either that's you know local funding to to set up particular projects. Um, or, or we look at you know the the, the national funding streams, the, the Sports England funding streams as well. But they tend to be, you know, they more often than not tend to be for for new projects as a as a kind of Kickstarter, you know. And then you've got to make them sustainable. You know, we don't we don't necessarily have a whole lot of, of new projects. You know, we we're kind of rolling out the same thing kind of you know over and over within within different schools and and you know we're, we're very much just trying to maintain at the moment so accessing funding just to maintain what you're doing is is challenging you know a lot of a lot of funding pots you know they need to be for something new um you know they need to be for for a, a new initiative or it's got to be directed at a particular population um you know within within your community um which you know we can target um you know we get funding from um we get funding from the council to do a lot of uh or we have had funding to do a lot of uh of disability sport so you know when i first started you know they approached me and said can you coach wheelchair basketball and i said well no you know i've never done it but they sent me on a course and you know we've had a wheelchair basketball program going now um you know, and uh, yeah, as well as you know, winning the the London Youth Games for the for the girls um, and the primary school. You know, we won the the inclusive zone basketball you know competitions. So, um, yeah, there are there are funding pots out there. Um, we also get yeah, I guess within that twenty percent of, of other funding, yeah, some schools will just pay us directly. So you know, some schools if if they feel they're they're, they're their parents can't pay for the clubs or some schools do have a policy that they don't charge for clubs um, and they 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 pay for that out of their budgets so you know we 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 get paid by the schools rather than individually by the parents um and we have yeah a few other um you know we've got a sort of sixth form colleges st mary's university you know that comes out of their their sporting budgets have you had any conversations with uh potential commercial sponsors or people or even you know corporate social responsibility programs on 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 behalf of 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 companies that kind of look at the 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 scope and the the breadth of what you're doing at a grassroots level and, and potentially want to get involved yeah so we we've, we've got two um two key sponsors uh, which is ic resources uh, an it recruitment company um and griffin stevens is a, a local estate agent you know so yeah they're they're fulfilling that um you know and but I mean, IC Resources, the, the director, you know, he's he plays on our, our men's second team, you know, and he's very much into his basketball and supports it from a personal point of view as well. Um, it's certainly something I think we don't pursue enough. You know, I think our standing within the community, we, we you know, we we could and should be doing more, you know, to to promote that um, and, and to draw that that, you know, draw in the, the corporate dollar, um, you know, to, to support what we're doing. Um, you know, and that's you know that's very much one of one of my hats that I don't put on too too often because very busy you know just managing managing everything else. Um, you know we've got a great committee you know and they 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 look at you know funding streams and and you know reaching out to the local community. 
Um, but I feel it's something, yeah, we should do more of. And yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I listened to the Nick Drain podcast that you did with him, you know, and, and he, he seems to do a fantastic job. And that's certainly something that, you know, I could, I could learn from. The other thing I want to, want to touch upon, I know, uh, finances are always, some people don't like talking about it and stuff, but I, I, I always, I ask players about it a lot as well, because I feel like it's important for people to realize that uh, there is money in basketball and and I, I want it to be able to inspire other people that are thinking about setting up a club to do the same thing because I, I rather than seeing it as oh it's never going to be a thing that can make me money and I'm always going to have to do it on the side and it's going to be a voluntary thing um, you know when you talk about like and obviously only share what you're willing to share but you know when you talk about the scale of kind of what you've built financially uh, in terms of the turnover of the of the organisations um and even if you don't want to go into the specifics, the number of staff that are sort of deriving, being able to derive a full-time living or almost a full-time living or a part-time living from from kind of what you built with the Richmond Knights, uh, kind of, yeah, I would love to hear anything you'd be willing to share about about that. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I earn, I earn a salary, and it's it's my it's my full-time job, and I'm able to support myself um, and, and my family. Um, you know, we we don't live in the borough of Richmond, you know, so that says something about the, you know, the, the cost of living there and, and my kind of relative, relative wage, um, you know, but yeah, in terms of the, um, you know, the, the size of the club, yeah, I don't really want to go into specifics, but the, the CIC is, is, um, you know, is about sort of a, a third of, of what the limited company brings in, in, in terms of, in terms of the, the, the balance. So, you know, the the limited companies is sort of double the size in in terms of the the income and and, and the costs in which it, it it costs to run um our you know our staff we have you know anywhere you know each season obviously it it, it changes but you know we, we do have you know we have a core staff um there's five or six guys that that draw uh you know that put, they're self-employed but they predominantly earn their money from from nights and then they have their other other things on the side as well um you know and and they're able to able to live off that um you know i probably don't pay them enough as they tell me quite a lot and uh, i'd love to be able to pay them love to be able to pay them more um you know but but the model the model allows us you know to 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 have passionate yeah you know young ish well you know some of them are now you know families and mortgages and stuff and they've they've come through the club um, you know, but they're they're able to their careers are in basketball, and and you know their 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 lives are are in what they love. You know, and I think having that having that at the heart of of what you're doing, you know, being able to employ people who are um, or, or being able to hire people who are um, who are passionate about their job, you know, that's that's a big key to our success and um, well our our small successes to what we're you know where we are at the moment. Um, you know, but. I'm pleased. Yeah, I'm pleased to be able to offer that. And, you know, it's, as you said, it's an opportunity that's quite rare outside of the formal, um, you know, formal positions within academies or within within professional teams. But I believe it it can be done. And, you know, happy to speak to you more about this off, you know, once we finish. And, you know, I've spoken to other other coaches as well. And, and other coaches have been a part of Knights and gone out and, and done their own thing. And, and I feel that it's a it's certainly a model that that can be replicated. Um, you know, as you say, there, there are areas where there, there are challenges and it can't be, but there's I'm sure there's there's lots of areas where it can be. And, and if that helps, if that helps grow our game, 
you know, and 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 produce more players and 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 you know improve the the awareness of the game um, amongst you know around the country. Then happy to help. So, final question before we wrap up: uh, the future, future of the Knights. Uh, you know, when you look to the next sort of three to five years, kind of what would you like to see happen? Um, what do you envisage happening? What what's the kind of plan? What's the goal for the for the for the sort of near and, and longer term? Um, well, to actually get back on the basketball court and play some basketball games uh, is our kind of short-term goal. Uh, you know, having uh, got so close to starting the season and everyone's put in so much effort and work, and you know, I think you know the the guidance from from Basketball England, you know, on the whole has, has been fantastic and and was able to get us, you know, back on the court as soon as was safe and viable. Um, you know, and then to have that all shut down now um you know we're in uh, you know we're in lockdown part two right now um you know is is sad but you know all that that hard work's been done for the season but i guess we'll take what we can get for this season you know wh- whatever happens on the court um you know on the court in terms of wins and losses is is irrelevant um you know this this year is about getting the players back together you know getting them getting them connected again um you know Getting them, getting them playing, but keeping them healthy, keeping them healthy in their, in their bodies, but also in their minds. You know, so yeah, our, I guess our, our focus hasn't shifted. You know, I, I don't. What we're trying to do hasn't changed. Just the, the way we, the way we do it, and and the landscape which we're working in is different because we can't at the moment get access to 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 the gym, to the sports hall. So hey, we've got to, we've got to take what we do online you know or we've got to, you know we've got to find other ways of connecting so um yeah that's probably not answering your question but you know in the in the very short term we just want to get back on the court get these kids playing again and and you know sort of build build back up you know for the for the players and and for the coaches um you know looking at four or five years down the line as i said you know an academy in a in a secondary school in a sixth form um you know is that that's that needs that needs to happen. Um, so that's going to be that's going to be one of our focuses. Um, and then it's it's just about really, yeah, as I said, sort of consolidating what we're doing. You know, I think we've we've grown we've grown very fast, and you know, there's still lots of structures within the club that I'd I'd like to improve on. Um, and I, I you know I feel we we need to improve on. Um, you know, so I'd like to look at you know looking at more more coach development opportunities. Um, looking at more leadership opportunities. I mean, we, we, we run a leadership academy, but, you know, that's something that I've, I've sought funding for before um, and we're looking into again, um, you know, to try and build the next, you know, this next generation of leaders that are coming through the club as well. Perfect. That's a perfect place to, to leave it. James, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, it's much appreciated and I wish you all the success and all the luck uh, continuing to build out what you're doing uh, down in Richmond. Thanks, Sam, and all the best to you as well. You've got some exciting stuff going on, so thanks for all your work. Hey, podcast listener, bet you weren't expecting to hear from me again. Now that you've listened to the show, please take two seconds to take your podcast player out of your pocket and give us a rating and review on iTunes. It would be massively appreciated and goes a long way in helping us spread this content far and wide. Literally take your phone out of your pocket right now, uh, open up your podcast player, go to the Hoops Fix podcast, you'll see the option to leave a rating and review. Drop us a five star if you love it. And uh, if you could take two seconds just to write a review as well, it would be massively, massively appreciated. Thank you and speak to you next week. 
You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more.